On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We've got a very special guest today. He's a very important person in the world of college sports. He's also very important to me because he knows the locations of the best diners in America. If you need a diner breakfast, Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione is your man. He will tell you where to go, especially in Big 12 country. But Pretty much everywhere else, because there have been a lot of a very high-level breakfasts had before sporting events in every sport, and so you've you've done this all over the country. And Joe, it's it's great to me because you send me the pictures from all these places, and I add them to my list. And now I have a bunch of places I need to go have bacon and eggs and and coffee. Well, Andy, first of all, thank you. It's great to be on this podcast with you. That's high praise coming from you, a person I greatly uh, respect in the culinary arts. And uh, I know that you have uh, built quite a resume yourself. So I, uh, I just tried to um, add to it when I can, but something that I started, I don't know, probably 25, 30 years ago. And uh, it's kind of fun. I, uh, maybe someday we could collaborate and write a book together. Oh, I think this is this could be done. Now, I don't know that I'm ever welcome again at one of your pre-football game breakfasts, though, because the, the time I came and ended up writing about it, you guys played at Baylor uh, a few years ago, and, and Baylor wasn't particularly great that year, but gave the Sooners all they could handle that night, so I might be bad luck for you, so I'm not, I'm not sure if that's necessarily in the cards for another invite but you know if you're willing to forgive that one where you you had the the scare in Waco I'm happy to come again well we eat to win and so that was the outcome that night may not have been exactly the way we all thought it would turn out but the uh, the result was still positive so no you're you're in the loop for good whether you like it or not all right so let's let's talk about football this season because you had a major announcement this week your athletes your football players will be back on campus as of July 1st uh, allowed to participate in voluntary workouts and and you went through an entire system of trying to figure out how that's going to work Uh, the Big 12 had voted that you could bring them back June 15th unlike a lot of other schools which are going basically as early as their leagues have said they can go you decided it was going to be a little bit later. Your football coach, Lincoln Riley, has said he'd like the players to be away from campus as long as possible before they come back. 
So what was the decision-making process as you decided on that July 1st date? We had been talking about this, as you couldn't imagine, since uh, we all had to abruptly end the seasons and uh, shelter in place or lockdown or work from home, whichever whichever uh, characteristic um, you like to use for describing it. Um, so we, you know, we're trying to do what everybody else is doing, listening to the medical experts, listening to those that are uh, making serious and significant decisions related to any and all of our, our uh, lives in a lot of ways. Um, we're not making these along political lines. We're, we're making judgments and decisions, um, creating guidelines along the medical science lines. And we had actually had been moving towards a July 1st return, watching how everything was evolving around us, around the country. Once again, listening to the medical experts and those who would be uh, directly involved with not just the creation of, of our plan, but the implementation and the response, you know, to what would happen when we find or come across a positive test for COVID-19, which we hope we don't, but the likelihood that we will is greater than not. Um, does it mean that when we find uh, someone with a positive test that they wouldn't be anything but asymptomatic, but we don't know. And so uh, as you watch what's going on around the country, uh, we, we understand for a, a variety of reasons why um, state and local governments have decided to open up um, more and more businesses, more and more activities for citizens of the states, uh, presuming and, and providing uh, certain guidelines to uh, enjoy those activities, uh, to protect themselves, to protect others. Um, you know, it, it still is a, an atmosphere where the virus is among us and it's not something we can see. Even people that may contract it may not know that they contracted it to well after the time that they were exposed to it. And if you watch the medical experts, you know, that they were telling us, you know, that the uh, so-called curve that we've been talking about since, you know, almost day one is, is now flattening, but it's not over. And so we, before anybody voted, we had thought maybe another 30 days was in our best interest. And I say 30 days because, as you know, uh, the collective um, approach for the conferences had been to, uh, you know, allow certain activities virtually, but, but not in person through the end of May. And we're not even there yet, almost, uh, as we record this podcast. But um, so we were trying to anticipate, project out what it might be, again, using a lot of the guidance from medical experts. So um, when everyone, you know, voted uh, to return to campus at some point, June 1st or thereafter, and what would be allowed when they return to campus, we looked at our approach and um, certainly understood, you know, the, the uh, return dates in our own conference of the Big 12 being somewhat different than other conferences. We just felt like the plan we had in place was still the right one. Yes, it's a little more patient. Yes, it's, it's a little more prudent, 
but um, we still believe that we can accomplish everything we can in preparing um, our student athletes for competition safely. And that is in all ways safely um, by starting on July 1. Now, when we get to July 1, Andy, the um, allowance of activity uh, policy might change. As you know, right now, throughout the month of June, the only thing that is allowed is uh, opening facilities for student athletes to come in and work out voluntarily. Right. So that, that there is no strength coaches can be there to, to help them, but it, it, they can't bring the whole team and say, hey, you're, you're required to come in. We have a team run at 6 a.m. It doesn't it wouldn't work that way through June. That's correct. That's it. You could come in, you could get your lift, you run and you leave. And of course, you know, most campuses are practicing their, their uh, approach to social distancing, limiting the number of players that could work out you know, at one time, probably the entrances in and out of the facility. Maybe they don't open up the other parts of facilities like locker rooms. Probably sports medicine would be available, of course. But you, you could actually open your football weight room to the air, right? I, I know you have we can kind of a field back there. Yeah, that's what I, I was wondering because I remember being there for your pro day. And when I was reading all this stuff, I was thinking, oh, wait, they can they could open those big garage doors and make it almost an open air facility. We can. And, and it's easy for them to go in and out. Um, have, they could do some of the workouts outside as well as inside. Now, again, we could still offer that through voluntary workouts, but they can't be organized or directed. So, you know, right now, that's the only difference. That's the only thing we can do. Even if the players were in town, any other meeting with them has to be done virtually, which we're doing right now. And we would be doing through the month of June. The NCAA just came out with a, an adjustment to the policy, I think yesterday, um, uh, where now uh, strength coaches can um, – observe workouts virtually. Uh, we were not able to do that up to this point. So after June 1st, whether a student athlete is in you know, a facility or not, a strength coach can watch um, a student athlete's workout. So if they're working out from their home, somebody's garage, you know, a place uh, in their community, uh, the strength coach can still watch that, you know, for, safety reasons. Now, um, I know some of this becomes mind-blowing when an average person is listening to it all, like, what does this mean? You know, but um, it's simple. It's not simple to describe, but it's... Well, that that's what that person would have been doing anyway. That's that, that's that strength coach's job. So, yeah. you know, it, effectively, they haven't been able to do their jobs over the last two months. So that's now correct. at least they can they can do that. Yeah. And so that's absolutely correct. And so we're talking about the difference of, of about 15 days, um, maybe exactly 15 days. Not all of those days they would be working out anyway. Um, and they're, they are working out where they live. Um, there are a few that are in town anyway because they, they have apartments here. They, they came back on their own. Um, so they find a place here to work out. Um, now, you know, when we get back on July 1st, um, we could very well see the rule change again where 
we would be permitted to have the normal summer workouts that people are that, used to seeing. That's, that's the a, eight hours. You, you, were, you would add eight hours of required stuff. Right. In the summer. And I think sometimes that's what people think is happening. They A week, not a day, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? When they hear voluntary workouts, as you can remember from your playing days, podcast, you can't see it, but we're all doing air quotes voluntary workouts, <laughs> you know, voluntary. Well, they, they can volunteer not to play you too. Yes. So, you know, I think over time as, as it has evolved, you know, people see what happens in today's world, you know, just a year ago, normally assembling, you know, uh, next week, usually timed with the start of summer school. Um, those workouts are organized. And I think people are getting that confused and, thinking of it as a competitive disadvantage that that's not what is being allowed during the month of June. It's only voluntary. So it's almost like the kind of workout somebody would get during the times that you're not permitted to be organizing workouts. That's that, that, Those would be the blue sheets that, uh, that your former strength coach, Jerry Smith, who was the, the, the strength coach at, at Florida when I was a walk-on would send for spring break, summer vacation, yeah, exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and we've been able to do that since we all, you know, had to move to an off-campus approach. The, the uh, strength coaches have been providing um, workouts. Um, they could even provide instructional videos. They could not observe any workouts. Why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents because Lord knows... We don't want any of those. Shaving is about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. This is the Perfect Package for your Perfect Package. So do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. When your players get back to campus, Joe... How will they be evaluated? Well, it's a um, it's a very uh, you know, organized process that actually begins before they um, return to campus, and uh, we're we're actually instituting a virtual quarantine um, that will start um, fifteen days before they return, and so we're. We're, you know, we understand this has got to be everybody complying, but um, asking them to limit and we track, you know, the activities that they're, they're doing in those 15 days. So we know um, where they might have been. Um, and then when they return, which the return to campus will start June 27th, um, we have a combination of 
of, uh, of student athletes that are moving to campus for the first time because they're mm-hmm. new enrollees. So they'll be moving into the residence hall. And then those that are coming back, which who already have their own um, living arrangements, apartments, et cetera, um, they'll be returning you know, a couple of days before so we can actually start on, um, on July 1st. And there's a, uh, I won't go into the details because, you know, that would take a long time, but it, there's a progression of um, screening and testing before, um, before they're permitted to uh, start workouts. Well, in, in terms of COVID-19, are, are, is everybody going to be tested to see if they have it now? Are, are guys getting antibody tests? Have, have you decided how that's going to work? We are going to test everybody. Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, then there'll be, you know, process beyond that. Uh, obviously if someone were to test positive, we have, uh, protocols for that. Um, I saw you said, uh, in, in the FAQ section, when you announced it, that there was actually going to be a, a residential facility set aside for quarantining. If you, if you had anybody test positive. That's right. We do. And so, um, so to answer your question, you know, the, the, uh, you know, there'll be some other screenings that verbal, um, um, online that have to be, uh, completed before they return. That's related to that virtual, uh, 14 day quarantine I mentioned. And then, uh, when they get here, um, we will be asking a lot of questions. Have they already been tested, uh, for COVID-19? Have they had any symptoms? You know, those kinds of questions. Uh, did they travel anywhere um, in the previous 14 days other than coming back to uh, campus? Um, if they've been in contact with anybody who's tested positive, um, anybody that's had any symptoms in their houses, those, those kinds of things. There are other um, medical clearances, and then there'll be a, a COVID-19 testing that will take place, um, you know, on one of those days when they're back on campus. And then we have to obviously await the results. Um, We won't have any in-person activities until July 1st, and we'll have the results back before then. Um, They can, while they're here those other days, they can have their virtual meetings like they're having right now within the hour requirement. And and that's how we're going to go forward. And if we're doing voluntary workouts still on July 1st, that's what we'll start if the NCAA and or the conferences vote to allow more organized workouts, then we'll start with that on July 1st. You're also part of a big 12 working group with, with four other ADs where basically you're trying to, to help the conference create some protocols for the return to playing football, which is that, you know, we we've talked about the return to campus, the return to, to workouts, but Actually, playing games is another issue entirely because you have the the stadium capacity issue. You have, you know, what if a player on one team tests positive? What's the protocol for that with the with the other team as well? What are those discussions going to be like over the next you know few weeks? First, starting with some assumptions. The assumptions being that we aren't the ones charged with the decision of determining when football will start and or what form it would take. Um, 
and whether or not fans would be permitted. I don't think that the conferences will be making decisions about fans or no fans. I think that's state, local governments, campus authorities, all collectively thinking through what that might be. Um, so what we can, what best part for us to plan is possible outcomes. We're the outcome modeling group. So first we're uh, working on, on uh, developing a timeline for the key decisions, um, whatever those might be related to the team, who determines it's a regular on-start time, 12-game season. If it's not that, what is it? Is it a conference-only season? Those decisions are not we're not making, but we're we're dealing with you know how um, medical information will be assessed and understand the challenges around that. Um, whatever safety guidelines that have to be developed, a recommended date um, for making those decisions. I'll give you an example. You know, in a second here, uh, we've got a. Um, we might prioritize the models we have 12 game in case of big 12, nine game conference schedule with a conference championship. Um, the uh, uh, game day protocols for the staff and team, because it's not just the home team that has to be mindful of it. The home team has to be mindful of the visiting team. Um, all the people that it takes to create game day before we even talk about fans. Um, uh, and who needs to be involved in those kind of decisions. Guidelines to uh, address competition scenarios if game interruptions occur uh, that prevent a team from competing. And that is an enormous rabbit hole right there. Um, and uh, we want to also, I'll just say this right up front, when we get to um, our draft of uh, options, we are going to involve student athletes in um, sort of the screening of these options. So, you know, we, we all have um, groups on campus that, you know, involve um, representation of, of teams, even within teams, there are leadership groups, as you can remember from your, your days. And uh, so uh, we also have a, a conference-wide student athlete leadership group. So we're going to involve, um, you know, a section of those student athletes to hear what we're saying to make sure they feel comfortable with this approach. So let's just talk about one of them. You know, what, what, it, what are we going to do to create some type of standardized testing? Testing during the practice time might be up to the campus, but what happens during weeks of games? And when does it happen? And what do we do with those results? And what happens, you know, if we, you know, find a positive COVID test? Um, the, the contact tracing, isolation, what does that mean? And what if it involves more than one person? And what if it, it, it evolves to a larger number? It could be a whole position group. It could even be the position group and a position coach. You know, where is a threshold for um, a, a a university determining whether or not they can actually move forward and compete in that game. And conversely, Andy, where is the threshold for the opponent? <laughs> uh, right. And, because they, they, they're going to have to agree to this. Correct. Well, they may have various thoughts of it. 
And look, um, we, we want to think about this in terms of what we are dealing with, not all other things, not letting this be sort of an excuse to not play because key players might have got been injured in another game and they're not available. So they wait more weeks. And That's not that different of a situation of, a, of a, something happened to a player and a player's out for the game. Right. But I, I see what you're saying where if it's more players – just because of the, the nature of, of the virus and how it transmits, then you have another, another issue. Correct, because you can remember, there have been all kinds of examples of things happening prior to games that might have, have uh, eliminated players from competition previously. A, a flu outbreak, a, a food poisoning. We, we've all been, you know, you could be on the road and you're uh, getting a pregame meal on a Friday night and something wasn't right and several guys get sick and are not able to play in the game. They didn't call the game, but this is different. You know, this is a very different type of situation. And so um, we're trying to think that through and have a plan for it now, not wait till the week of the game and everybody's all emotional and trying to figure that out. So it's those kinds of things of how we would handle what creates the opportunity for, um, a no contest, a forfeit, and, and who makes that kind of decision. Um, and, of course, if, we, if we're playing a 12-game schedule like we normally would, there aren't many opportunities to reschedule the game. Uh, we've seen in recent, very recent times, uh, probably last year, where there have been um, – you know, hurricanes that prevented right. from happening. And, and some, and some games don't get played. Some games get rescheduled. And sometimes uh, I think it was a Virginia tech and East Carolina got together and played a game that, that wasn't originally scheduled because they both needed a game because they'd had one wiped out. Right. And so, um, you know, and of course we've all understood what that means for the end of the season it could be bowl eligibility or it could be a major factor in a team's consideration for, being ranked in the college football playoff poll, if not, you know, as one of the four teams in the playoffs. So we've had those kinds of things, but the, the chances of this happening, you know, more often than not are there. And we're trying to um, think through all of that and then have a plan. So the uh, coaches would understand it. Um, the, the ADs would understand it. The presidents would understand it. And the fans would understand it before the season ever starts. Do you have a sense, not not as the working group, but just as you, Joe Castiglione, of what date you need to make a decision by to decide what type of season there will be? Whether it's you know twelve games as scheduled on time, whether it's a conference schedule, how soon do you have to make that decision? Well, I've been thinking no later than I would per personally like it to be early July, but I don't find much uh, consensus on that date. Um, I think people are waiting until thinking they can wait till maybe mid July uh, to, to make those kinds of decisions. Uh, some might think later, but um, there's a lot of planning that has to take place once those decisions are made, depending on what the decision is. So I always favor earlier, the better, but we're still in May. 
and that's still well over 30 to 45 days away. And just like our reasoning for holding off to July 1 uh, for, for voluntary workouts, we believe that there's going to be more and more information come our way and more and more development and testing, better testing, faster results, um, more understanding about the virus, the way to prevent uh, the spread of the virus, which could influence our activities that we do for our players, for teams, and for fans. So um, all of that could figure into the decision of, of what we do this fall. And so I think the next 30 to 40 days are going to be very critical to that and rather than predict, I'm just going to keep on the side of preparing. Here's the real question, because before this podcast, the last time we talked on the phone, Joe, I gave you a homework assignment, and that is to find out if Ozzy's Diner has reopened in Norman. This is the restaurant in the Norman airport. Yes, Norman has an airport, and it is one of the great breakfast places in the United States. So uh, it. Is Ozzy's operational again? Do we know, Joe? When you asked me last, it was not. Um, I honestly haven't checked this week, um, but it, it was not open yet. Uh, Google says it is open now, and that is that is big news. Big yeah. news, by the way, because this is so. Joe, as a as a fellow food aficionado, uh, you'll appreciate this. I mean, it, it seems like this pandemic is probably going to wipe out the buffet. Yeah. The, the breakfast buffet is probably a thing of the past. Ozzy's Diner had already figured that out. They they already had a, a model that I think everyone needs to adopt. And that is for $5.99, it is all you can eat of bacon, biscuits, grits, ham, hash browns, pancakes, eggs. I think I'm probably leaving something out. Sausage. But sausage, that's right. So, but you don't you don't go to a buffet and get it. You just order it from your server and then they go and they cook it. And it is one of the greatest breakfast experiences you will ever have and I think now will be the model for for breakfast restaurants in America. 100%. And yeah, there's two things that they also perfected. The service is extremely fast. Um, and when you order your food and it gets to you quickly, it's fresh. It's not been sitting there. Oh, it's it's amazing. Now, the first time I went, when I ordered my sixth biscuit, the, the waitress looked at me like, really? You're going to make me go get another one? Yeah. And I said, well, you could bring two. Yeah, no, it's not like there's a big room there and they're just pull, pulling this stuff out. I mean, they they make it it's a made-to-order place, but an all-you-can-eat. You're right. It, it was. It, it, it's a. It's the combination of a place that looks like it's a, you know, a throwback in time, but it's. It was more forward-thinking than everybody. It's ahead of its time. It's it, yeah. It's sort of like Joe Tiller or, or Lavelle Edwards' offenses. You know, those those were a while ago, yes. but they would fit right in today. That's great. That's a perfect analogy. Leave it to you. And we'll leave it at that because I don't often have perfect analogies. They're usually pretty bad. So we will leave it at that. Joe Castiglione, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. And uh, good luck going down that rabbit hole with your fellow ADs because that sounds like a lot of very weighty discussions that they're not a lot of easy answers to. Well, and the target moves constantly. Probably by the time people listen to this podcast, 
they're, it will have changed a lot. And so when we do emerge, we'll have the latest and greatest updates for you and probably more that we could put in a 20-second soundbite than we can now. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. My pleasure. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, Aussies will be fully up and running at some point. That, that is a, a, an American institution, a Norman treasure. And yes, I was shocked that Norman had an airport and it had a restaurant in it. But it does, and with any luck, Aussies will be fully operational around the same time that Oklahoma's football team is fully operational. I believe Aussies is open for takeout only right now. Uh, hopefully, you can get back to, to what it should be in its full glory, because let's be honest, it is the model for everybody going forward. I want to say thanks to Joe Castiglione for joining us. This is one of those complicated situations where the ADs don't want to talk too much because... They fear that everything they say is going to be blown out of proportion, that people are going to take it and run with it, that people are going to think, oh, there's not going to be a season, or there is going to be a season, but things are not going to be as safe as they want them to be, or they're putting their team at a competitive disadvantage. That's one of the things that Joe's been hearing a lot of. I appreciate him coming on and explaining exactly what the decision-making process is, because let's face it, these are pretty complicated decisions. There's a lot of moving parts here, and these guys have never dealt with anything like this before. So they're all flying blind as well. And they're just trying to make the best decisions they can. So appreciate Joe for coming on and explaining all that stuff. We got a lot more to talk about. This has been a pretty eventful week. It's going to keep being more eventful as we get closer to the season. We'll talk to you more on Wednesday. (laughs) 